Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Christ Bible Church in the Twin Cities. I'm Pastor Levi Secord. It is the goal of Christ Bible Church to glorify God by bringing all of Christ into all of life. For that reason, I want you to know that we now offer a second podcast called The Worldview Minute. In it, I seek to demonstrate the universal importance of the Christian worldview by building the theological foundations of our faith and then applying them to all of life. The Worldview Minute aims to produce short, accessible episodes that equip the believer to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Lord over all of life. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Google. Just search for The Worldview Minute and you can subscribe there. Now let us turn our minds and our hearts to the preaching of God's Word. Our text this evening uh, for our meditation comes from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 51. The word of the Lord reads, Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them ran at once and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks we're split. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word this evening. Let's pray. Lord God, as we ponder again the death of Your Son, we ask that You would grant us eyes to see. That as we look upon that cross, we would see the vileness of our own sin and also our only hope. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Darkness is a theme that runs throughout all of Scripture. Moreover, darkness is a theme I think that every one of us in this room can relate to. The soul's dark night is something we have all experienced. You see, God created the light, and darkness is the absence of that light. Jesus, it is said, came to a world that was already marked by darkness, but yet Jesus in himself is the very light of the world. There is so much going on around the the death of Christ. There is so much meaning packed into these verses, so much symbolism that entire books are written on just one of the themes. The sun went dark. The sun went dark. What is going on? With that. Contrary to how some might think about it, this was not a solar eclipse. Solar eclipses only happen during the new moon. If you know your Jewish calendar at all, the Passover always happens during a full moon. So this is not something that is natural. This is not something that was in a cycle of time that normally happens. This was supernatural. The darkness was a sign. It was given to the people there and to us to tell us something, 
to communicate something to us about what is happening upon that cross. So what is this saying to us? What is this darkness around Christ's death really about? I want you to ponder, meditate on four things. Four things that the darkness around the cross tells us. First is this. Darkness throughout Scripture represents moral rebellion in opposition to God. When the Bible talks about this world being trapped in darkness, it is not an actual darkness that you can't see anything, but it's talking about moral opposition to God, who is the source of light. John 3.19 says this, And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. All throughout the Gospel of John, there's this battle that is going on between good and evil and light and darkness. And it all centers upon the person of Christ who is the light of the world. And so here upon the cross, that light is being swallowed up. The light of the world is dying. Darkness is pushing in. I mean, what an odd sight it would have been. We were out at the, the zoo today. And it was noon, and the, and the sun was high in the sky, and it was bright. And I turned to my kids, and I said, this was the time of day it went dark. That's weird. That doesn't just happen. From noon to 3 p.m., the whole land surrounding this cross was covered in a supernatural darkness. What should have been the brightest time of the day was dark. And that darkness was there to show us how evil the act was of putting God the Son to death. The people who nailed him to that cross, the people who put him on a sham trial, those people were doing the most evil thing that had ever happened. The darkness surrounding Christ's death presses in and becomes almost tangible, displaying the vileness of evil, sin, and rebellion against God as that rebellion reaches its height, killing the Son. J.R.L. Tolkien reminds us this about evil. He said this, All we do know, and that to a large extent by direct experience, is that evil labors with vast power and perpetual success in vain, preparing always only the soil for unexpected good to sprout in. Evil rises in strength. It looks like it's going to win, and all it's doing is sowing the seeds of its own defeat. Nowhere is that clearer than on the cross of Christ. Second, the darkness shows us that creation itself is testifying to what is going on. If you were to flip in your Bibles to Colossians 1, 15-20, you would see in that passage that everything that exists came into existence by Christ, through Christ, and everything is held together by him, minute by minute. Everything that exists, Christ holds together. And so there upon the cross is not just some random person dying, but the one who made the sun. The one who made light. The one whose sovereign power keeps the sun alive today. So why is the sun going dark? It is as if creation itself was hanging in the balance. It is as if creation itself is saying, this is kind of a big deal, what's going on. Now we need to be careful here. 
God the Son had two natures. He had a full, complete human nature. And he, or he has a full, complete human nature. And he has a full, complete divine nature. It is the divine nature of the Son that upholds everything. But the person does the upholding through his divine nature. And that person, God the Son, was dying. The one who upholds the sun, the moon, and the stars. So the sun goes dark. Creation testifies that its creator is experiencing death. And I think we see the pinnacle of what Paul mentions in Romans chapter 8. That creation against its own will is subjected to futility. And it groans. It hates sin. It hates the futility that sin brings with it. And here creation is groaning under the full weight of sin, waiting for liberation as its creator takes the sin of the world upon himself. Consider also Psalm 19. Psalm 19 tells us that every day creation speaks to us. Every day creation cries out about the nature of God, that God exists, that he has made everything. Consider Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. And the crowd surround him and they wave their palm branches and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the people are like, hey, maybe you should, you should tell them to be quiet. And what does Jesus say to them? If they don't say something, the stones are going to say something. Right. Creation is saying something at the cross. It is saying, this is the Lord, this is the Creator, this is the Christ, this is our Redeemer. Creation itself was crying out as to what was happening. Third, the darkness tells us that this was a day of judgment. It was the day of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, we read of this imagery of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord brings with it judgment upon sin. And all throughout the Old Testament, there's this imagery of the sun going dark and the earth crumbling and melting away. Amos 8 speaks of that day. It says, On that day, declares the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Isaiah 13 says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger. The sun will be dark when it rises. Of course, all of this is built off of the imagery of the day of the Lord that visited Egypt when for a whole day God judged that nation by making it dark. A supernatural darkness plagued the land. This was a sign of God's judgment. And so we see here that in some way the day of the Lord has come. Judgment has come. And that judgment falls upon Jesus. It also, if you're reading the Bible carefully, falls upon the people around him. It is no coincidence that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was God's judgment. To understand the day of the Lord, you have to realize that there are lots of days of the Lord. Anytime the Lord comes in judgment, it is the day of the Lord. Whether it be Egypt or Babylon or to Israel in the exile or Christ's crucifixion or the temple being torn down in 70 AD or that last day of judgment where the sun will literally be turned dark. The earth will tremble and God will judge everyone who has ever lived. You see, the book of Revelation picks up on this same end of the world imagery. The sky turns dark. The earth 
shakes and the Lord descends in judgment. The darkness shows us to some extent that the old covenant age has come and gone and has been judged by God. And that judgment fell primarily upon the sun. And fourth and finally, the darkness sets the stage for the coming of the light. Judgment always precedes salvation. The day of the Lord brings both judgment for sin and salvation for sinners. Darkness always precedes the light. After darkness, the reformers used to say, light. After darkness, light. Joel 2 also speaks of the day of the Lord. Listen carefully to this. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. God says, I'm going to do these terrible, wonderful things. Judgment's going to come. And guess what? Also, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord at that time will be saved. Judgment comes, and then salvation comes. To put it another way, Good Friday leads inevitably to Easter Sunday. The two come together. Christ's resurrection, or Christ's death, leads inevitably to the resurrection, which leads to the new creation. I want you to ponder that in your own life. I want you to ponder that in life in general, that God works in patterns. After darkness comes light. Judgment comes. It it eradicates evil to an extent, but it also sows the seed for new goodness to come. This is how the Lord works. After judgment comes salvation. After darkness comes light. After Good Friday comes Easter Sunday. After the death and burial of Christ comes the resurrection. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you this evening that again you speak to us in your word. We thank you that your son went to the cross and that as he was on that cross, as he gave up his life for many, he was surrounded by darkness. Lord, may we see that reality a little better this evening. And may we, through seeing that, love your Son all the more. It's in his name we pray. Amen.